living word. Speak truth into our hearts. Lord, where we have believed something incorrectly, please replace it with your truth. Where we are relying on something that is not reliable, help us to lean only on you. Speak to us in this time, in Jesus' name. Amen. What's the day you've all been waiting for? (laughs) The end, the last line of the Apostles' Creed. (laughs) I believe in the life everlasting. Life everlasting. Sounds good. (laughs) What does it mean? (laughs) Right? We probably have different things in our minds when we think of life everlasting. Uh, As we walk through some scriptures today about this, I want us to hold in our minds and in our hearts that scripture that I read to the kids from Revelation. Okay? Um, That's life everlasting for those who are found in Christ. Uh, I have to say that as I worked on this message, uh, I've been working on it for the past few weeks, and I have rewritten it like six times. <laughs> so, um, and when I started working on this, I thought that I was primarily going to be talking about Revelation 21, where that scripture comes from. Uh, but we are talking about that. But I kept finding the Holy Spirit leading me back to talking about some other passages in Scripture that discuss everlasting life. Eternity has been sown into the hearts of mankind. Okay? Look at the world religions out there. Almost every single one of them deals with afterlife or the hereafter or everlasting life or something in some way, shape, or form. It's been sown into us by our Creator. And people try to find the answer to it in lots of ways that are not God's way. They are usually idolatrous ways, which is why they never satisfy. Um, When we go to a funeral home, Okay, we probably all have seen this, and we go there, and it's like the calling hours, or whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. And the person, the dead body, the deceased body is laying there. We know that their spirit is no longer there. Okay, but there's the body. Um, <clears throat> we see them, and even if we are the firmest, strongest Christian, our mind might wander to, I wonder what they're doing right now. Or maybe if we don't know, we ask the question, what's happening to them right now? Where are they? What are they doing? Are they floating around in this room looking at me, looking at their body? (laughs) You know, we might have all kinds of different questions and different thoughts and different ideas based on how the world has infused its thoughts and ideas into our belief system. I want to go back to the oldest, what's likely the oldest book in the Bible this morning. Uh, First, Job asks a question, Job 14, 14, if a man die, will he live again? So, oldest book, 
asking a very pertinent question that has been asked since the beginning, right? It's a question that, that we ask ourselves and that if you're in this room this morning, you're probably hoping to find the answers in Scripture. And that's what we're going to look at today. If a man die, will he live again? So rather than looking at all of the different views of the world on this, we're going to just take a journey through some scriptures today. Uh, there's going to be a fair amount of scripture in today's message, uh, which is not a bad thing, because that's where the truth lies. <laughs> so if you have Bibles and you want to turn so you can see it for yourself, I always encourage that. Uh, we're going to start in Daniel chapter 12. I didn't write the verse, but I think it's the first verse of the chapter. Daniel, about six centuries before Christ, prophesies a resurrection. Okay, and here it is. Daniel chapter 12. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Everyone experiences resurrection. Some are raised to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. That's not something that we necessarily are real comfortable with. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> it's not just in Daniel, though. It's not like Daniel was a wingnut outlier that said this. This is a consistent message in Scripture all the way through the witness of Scripture. And we're going to take a look at a little of this here and there. You know, everybody is resurrected to something. Okay? And it's our disposition with Jesus Christ that determines what we are resurrected to. We've talked about, as we've gone through the creed, death is universal. It happens to everyone. It doesn't matter your race, your socioeconomic status, your educational level, whatever the case may be. Everybody dies. It's coming to all of us. We've seen it happen to other people. Just as death is universal, resurrection from the dead is also universal. And it's what we are raised to that is hopefully on our hearts and our minds today as we explore the scripture. You know, the creed says he will come again to judge the living and the dead. Jesus is coming back as judge. And um, we need to take a little look in Matthew chapter 25 today. So we're starting with Job, and then Daniel, and now we're skipping ahead to Matthew. If you want to turn there, you can. This is that passage that makes everybody squirm that talks about the sheep and the goats. Right? Um, <clears throat> and it should make us a little uncomfortable. Um, it's, and I'm going to skip around in it a little bit. 
starting at uh, verse 31, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, the Son of Man is Jesus, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right. You all sat on the correct side. <laughs> he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. And the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And then he will say, and, and then he will answer them, Truly, I say to you as... Oh, I just skipped ahead too far, sorry. Um, and then... He skips on and he talks to the goats and he says, truly, I tell you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will inherit eternal life. Now, you can turn into the passage and read the rest of it. In the interest of time this morning, I'm not reading the whole thing. Okay, but the point here is that there is a judgment. People are resurrected and they are either going into everlasting life or into eternal punishment. It's a reality of what is coming. Just as surely as we experience death, we will experience this. It's coming. Okay? So there really can be no question for those who base their beliefs on Holy Scripture that there is eternal resurrection and there is an eternal separation for the righteous and the unrighteous. It's going to happen. Right from the very beginning of the Bible, God has created us able to make a choice for or against him. He does not drag us kicking and screaming through the gates of heaven. Right? It's a choice. If it wasn't a choice and we were just forced to love God from the very beginning, we would just be robots. There wouldn't be relationship there, you know. Um, quite often, people end up having a discussion about why did God create the system this way if he knew that sin was going to enter anyways? You know, why didn't he just fix that back then? So we were created for relationship. We were created for to enjoy God's presence forever and to be with him. But he's not going to force us into that. And when we see God's judgments, when we see the judgments of Jesus Christ about our lives... We are not going to be left wondering and thinking that's unfair. Christ's judge, judgments are just. And they will make sense to us when we hear them. So in that judgment, people are going to understand that they have made the decision for or against Christ. So folks who don't yet believe are kind of in a tough spot because their desire for eternity has been placed into their hearts by their creator. But until they find Jesus, they're seeking it in ways that are apart from God. Um, things that they expect happiness from only leave them empty. Can anybody identify with that in your own faith? Um, <clears throat> and this is sort of idolatry, right? We're, we're taking the place of Christ in our lives and we're giving it to something else because we're seeking fulfillment in that instead of placing Jesus there on the throne of our lives. Um, who knew that Woody Allen could capture this so well? <laughs> he says, I don't want to achieve immortality through my work. 
I want to achieve immortality through not dying. <laughs> I don't want to live on in the hearts of my countrymen. I want to live on in my apartment. <laughs> but he very practically, he doesn't want to die. <laughs> Scriptures have a lot to say about eternal life, about everlasting life. So let's go back to Revelation uh, 21 that I read with the kids this morning that I asked you to hold in your, in your minds even as we talk about judgment. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eye, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. To the one who conquers, they will have this heritage. I will be his God and he will be my son. That sounds Wonderful, doesn't it? How many of you have heard that passage of scripture at a memorial service, a celebration of life or a funeral, right? And those are true words of hope and life, and it is the reality for all those whose name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Continue with me to verse 8. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the, te the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. We don't often hear that part of it at funerals, memorial services. Uh, but it's just as true as the part that makes us have hope and be happy. The entire witness of scripture indicates that there's a choice to be made. And the creed points us in the direction of life. So if you look at that list in verse 8, cowardly, faithless, detestable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and liars. Are, are we that in any way, shape, or form ever in our lives? Have we ever done any of those things, even in our hearts? So here's the hope. Ready? <laughs> Here it is. Ephesians chapter 2. I told you there was a lot of scripture. But the scriptures can speak for themselves. I'm just helping to guide us through them today a little bit. Ephesians chapter 2, verse, verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Okay? 
Think about that list in Revelation. All those things that inherit the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. You were dead in that. You were doomed to that. Following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now work in the sons of disobedience. We're following the ways of the world. The natural way of things in the world is verse 8 in chapter 21 of Revelation. That's where mankind goes when they're left to their own desires, their own devices, their own ways, and what they really want to do. Right? We once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and the mind. And we were, by nature, children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. We were there. Two words coming up, really important. But God. Without that, we're doomed. But God. Being rich in mercy... Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. If that is not good news, and the reason to be hopeful and joyful and just filled with life headed into eternity as a follower of Jesus Christ, I don't know what is. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ, so that in the coming ages, eternity, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. If you have come to the place where you have trusted Jesus Christ for your salvation, and you have become what Jesus himself calls born again, then this is your story. You were once lost, but God intervened with Christ Jesus, and now you are alive forevermore in him. We were dead. We were following the ways of the world. We were following the prince of the power of the air, Satan, the spirit of disobedience, living in sin, seeking after what we want, in Christ, we have eternal life. And it is now. It begins for us now. If you have been born again, you are never going to be separated from God. Ever. Even when your physical body dies. Ever. You are his forevermore. Scripture tells us that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. There is no salvation from eternal judgment through any other. Christ is the way. He who has the Son has life. If you recognize in these phrases, they're not me. It's all Scripture. Okay? If you are born again, you are living into this now. Another expression of the faith, the Heidelberg Catechism, puts it this way. Even as I already now experience in my heart the beginning of eternal joy, so after this life, I will have perfect blessedness. So because eternity is in our hearts, because it has begun for us, 
As we live into this, sin becomes less and less attractive. I hope. I hope that's true for you. That as the Holy Spirit reveals things to you that you need to let go of that are sinful, that you do. And you allow his strength to be made perfect in your weakness. That you continue to read the scripture and to pray and to mature in the faith. That even as you go through trials, you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of the faith, the beginning and the end. Trail Life has a motto, and it comes from Colossians. It says, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. It's pretty encouraging to hear, you know, a bunch of 8 through 12 year olds yell, walk worthy. <laughs> and I want to encourage you, walk worthy. I want to encourage myself, walk worthy. Because eternity has been implanted in our hearts. If you have trusted Christ, that is your future. Let's walk it out and walk worthy with the faith that's been handed to us by those that have come before in the truth of the word. Amen. We're going to uh, have an opportunity at this point. I'd like to uh, see and show.